Well, we uh, dropped in on Philip and learned a little bit about where Philip came from and how Jesus called Philip. Now Jesus has a question for Philip in the context of uh, having sat down the crowd on the hillside and uh, needing to feed them. And so in John chapter 6, we pick up that story once again. In verse 2, a large crowd kept following Jesus because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. And Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. And then verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, why, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place. And so they sat down about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Boy, it's so nice to, to see you all here this morning. I was telling someone before the service that when uh, we had to close the, the services back in March, suddenly we were speaking to uh, uh, an empty room uh, filled with, with pews, with no people. And that felt strange, kind of got used to it. Now it feels kind of strange to have people in the pews. Uh, so, uh, but uh, we're, we're going to try that. Uh, the, uh, uh, the percent positive rate is back up in uh, Sedgwick County. So uh, the subcommittee of the administrative board is... Uh, required that at 7.5% we get back together and talk about our future. So we'll see uh, how things go. We want you to be safe. We want to be safe. And uh, we want to uh, continue uh, being in ministry. <clears throat> well, Bethsaida. Bethsaida was a small fishing village at the north end of the Sea of Galilee. I don't know, how many of you are from small towns? Did you grow up in, oh, a bunch of you grew up in small towns. Then maybe you'll resonate with what I'm talking about. Uh, The population of Bethsaida was probably no more than a hundred or so people. And um, it's right at the place where the, the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee. Now it's one of those towns where you don't need Facebook or Messenger because word can travel faster than you could post it even if you had it. Well, it reminded me of a small town that uh, Jeannie and I lived in. It was called Milton Vale, Kansas. Population 600 or so. It depends on who went to Walmart that day. 
Well, we lived in the church parsonage right next to the Methodist church. It was a little church, a little parsonage, and uh, we had a good experience there. Well, there was a husband and wife who lived catty corner from uh, the parsonage, and they could see the parsonage out their kitchen window. And Wilma, the woman of the household, took it upon herself to keep an eye on the pastor and his new spouse. And uh, she can attest to that. Well, from her kitchen window, she could see us, and she could see a lot of things in the neighborhood. So, like, we'd be out somewhere, and we would come back in the evening, uh, get in the house, turn on the lights, and it wasn't but just a moment or two that the telephone would ring. And we'd look at each other, Hun, what do you say? It's Wilma again. Nine times out of nine times, it was Wilma with her familiar question, Where you been? I seen the light come on. And oh, how I wanted to say, we've been down to the bar and we're coming home staggering in the door. But I never had the courage to do that because I knew that if you told Wilma, uh, the whole town would know. Now, is it a little bit that way in the town where you grew up? Everybody knew everybody. And there were some busybodies that were quite willing to uh, pass things around. Well, that's kind of the small town Bethsaida was. Up in everybody's business, everybody was. The kids would play together in the streets without fear. The laundry was on the line. The back fence was the place where the women went to gossip. And the city gate was the place where the men went to gossip. Well, picture three little boys playing in the streets of of Bethsaida. They were friends. Two of them were brothers. And they had no idea that their friendship, their kinship, would lead them on a journey that would be beyond their imagination. Little did I know, little did they know, that they would someday be tangled up in a world-changing enterprise. When Jesus called them, he knew, he knew. First it was Andrew, And then almost in the same breath, it was his brother, Simon Peter, and then their friend, Philip. They were grown up now, young men, fishermen on the sea. Follow me, came the words from the lips of the master teacher. Their purpose in life had just been transformed by this man from Nazareth. And they did say yes. I think that's the kinship that we all feel here that that brings us back time and again and and gave us uh, the the compulsion to to have in-person worship. We want to do it. And there's a whole bunch of people that are looking in today uh, online who would love to be here but they're needing to play it safe. And, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's really put us betwixt and between. But we want to be a part of the world 
life-changing enterprise that Jesus Christ initiated and unleashed on the world. We, too, want to be a part of the gospel of grace and the, the leadership that was given way back when. Now, likely, these three uh, men who became disciples, they had seen Jesus come to Bethsaida, and they'd seen him heal a blind man. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they had seen him do many other signs and wonders in that place. And now, archaeologists uh, have unearthed the place where Bethsaida was and are gaining some knowledge a little bit about that little village and the people who lived there. It's quite a story. And it's a story that would continue as these three, Philip, Andrew, and Simon Peter, these three friends followed Jesus around the hills of Galilee. And they come to this day. Now they're on a hillside, rising out of the lake, not far from Bethsaida, where they had grown up, where they witnessed something they'd never seen before. Jesus had attracted a huge crowd. John reports it as being 5,000 people. And often, they were just talking about the men, so it could have been twice that number. More than, than what would be uh, residents of several villages around that area. But people came out. And they'd seen the signs and wonders of Jesus and they followed blindly. But Jesus didn't steer them wrong. The day wears on. Jesus is teaching lessons of faith, telling about the grace of God. And Jesus turns to Philip. And said, how are we going to feed this fine crowd? Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Philip, that would be when I would suddenly be frozen in my tracks. Now, K-Hole, you would know exactly what to do. You would make a few phone calls and there would be so much food that you could feed that big crowd. But Philip was a, a little more intimidated by what he said. He said... Lord, how can, how can we feed this many people? Why, it would take six months of my wages in order to buy enough bread for these folks. And Philip was from Galilee, and he knew well where you could buy bread or where you could bake bread, and, and there wouldn't be enough you could even buy, for there hasn't that much made at one time. What are we going to do? There isn't enough. And scarcity mentality quickly set in. It's as if he and the other disciples thought, oh, we're going to have to send these people home hungry. Andrew perhaps came to his friend's aid when he said, hey, there's a boy here that has a sack lunch. He has five barley loaves. And two fish. And Jesus said, bring it here. And they saw a miracle on the hillside that day that would stretch their faith and help them to see that with Jesus there was no such a word as scarcity. There was always enough and then some. Are you listening? 
Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And he told them to set the people down. And when he had blessed the food, he spread it amongst all the people. And the text says they each had all they wanted. Now, there's some scholars who have looked at this and said, well, surely uh, those people wouldn't have gone out for the day without taking some preparations with them. They knew there weren't any McDonald's in those days, and they couldn't just stop at quick shop to get some food. And so surely they would have had something in their knapsack that they could have and that possibly this little boy just primed the pump that uh, what he shared would become a trend and everybody would share what they had and those who didn't bring would have enough. Well, that is quite something to conjecture with, but that's not what the text tells us. It says that Jesus was bigger than that. It's like the, the, the song that the Gaithers came up with in 1993 that starts out, little as much when God is in it. And when that boy dared share what little he had, it was much in the hands of the master. Not that everybody went home with each one with a basket full of leftovers. Yes, there was uh, leftovers that uh, was gathered up. But each one went home with enough, with good news, all because of a little boy who dared to share. And of a master whose motto was abundance with good news for all. That's what it's all about. Now, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. Oh, there's a prosperity gospel uh, that is alive and well out there today where there are plenty of preachers on the airwaves and, and all over the world who would want you to think that if you prayed all the right prayers, attended all the right services, listened to all of their programs and sent them money, then you would have health and wealth and prosperity. All you got to do is turn on the television and you can see that. You can look on the internet. They have these worldwide ministries and you can tell who they are because they drive big fancy cars and they fly jet airliners that they want you to pay for and they live in glorious mansions. Now, at some point, it's okay for them to fly airplanes, drive fancy cars and live in mansions. That's not what we're talking about. It's talking about the false notion that if you pray all the right prayers and say all the right words and attend all the right services, then you will have many material possessions. That's not the abundance that we're talking about here. The reverse is also true in the prosperity gospel that if you are poor, If you are beset by struggles in life and your health is faltering, then you must have done something wrong. You are a sinner and you need to be saved. And usually it's by uh, the ministry that they're propagating. And you need to start praying the right prayers, saying all the right words, sending donations, 
and then you will have wealth. And how many people's faith has been broken by this false hope? On the hillside that day, there was no false hope. People were clamoring after the master of wind and wave because he brought good news that gave them freedom Freedom from the requirements of of the legal system that was literally strangling them and the, uh, the temple faith that was literally taking lots of their money and giving them an opportunity to be themselves and to know the forgiveness of God. And that abundance has everything to do with having what you need We say that in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, which means give us this day the things we need. And that is a part of what God wishes for us. And then he has put us on this earth like that little boy to share what we do have. If you take our Lord Jesus Christ and the Great Commission hand in hand, you have a winning combination where there is enough and where what we share will make a difference. Are you listening? That's what abundance is all about. And that's the story of the loaves and fishes. Got some? Pass it along. And the blessing that you give will come back to you with inner peace, spiritual contentment, and enough to make it through your darkest days. Amen.